Welcome to Spread Talk with Pam and John, also known as The Calm, Before the Storm. Our purpose is to elevate the conversation and amplify special education resources. And our why is all about the kids. You know, Pam, there are so many organizations and, and people around Texas who are just making it happen for kids with disabilities. So let's make this a platform to celebrate their efforts because special education is about making the impossible possible. Well, Pam, here we are again, back at it on the sped talk thing that we do. Yes, we are. And this time we're not in Austin. We're actually in College Station. We are in College Station. And what what do people think about when they think about College Station? They think about Texas A&M University. That the they do, Texas A&M. And we are at Texas A&M. And we are in the Harrington Tower today. And we're here to really celebrate um, a program that, that A&M is... Uh, Recently, I think, really developed, uh, I think it's been a growth of some other areas that they've worked in, and it's around working with students with disabilities, you know, in the higher ed environment, um, thriving and really having opportunities to have inclusive and immersive experiences, you know, in a college uh, setting. And so we're excited to be here. Um, we have guests with us today. So who are our guests, John? Well, first of all, we have Lexi and Miguel. Hi, Lexi. Hi. Thanks for being here. Me too. Okay, Miguel, thank you for being here with us. Thank you. And these are a couple of our students that are with us today. And then we also have, um, we have two individuals with us today who are really in charge of overseeing these programs and making sure that they are um, meeting the mark and that they are kind of really, I think, doing what they're designed to do. And so we have uh, Dr. Carly Gilson, who is the, uh, she's an assistant professor of special education um, and also a uh, program director. Is that right? Okay. And then we have Dr. Olivia Hester and I wrote down what she was somewhere and I can't find it. So Olivia, uh, so, yeah, you want to tell us? So yeah, actually the titles yeah. are, I, I am an assistant professor. Yes, okay. That is, that is my job, but I am also the faculty director and okay. founder of Aggie Achieve Got and it. Olivia is the program director. Got yes. it. So I knew there was two separate things there. <laughs> yes. I, I got half of it close to right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much on task, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. That's good. That's good. Well, thank okay. you guys for inviting us. We are super excited to, to be here and to celebrate some of the work that you've got going on here. So what is Aggie Achieve? I'm just going to jump right in. So what is Aggie yeah. Achieve for people who, who've never heard of it? Sure. Aggie Achieve is um, an inclusive and immersive learning opportunity at Texas A&M. It's a four-year opportunity for um, students with intellectual and developmental disabilities to uh, attend Texas A&M. They live on campus, they take A&M classes, and at the end, um, they will earn a certificate uh, in interdisciplinary studies. It's a uh, four-year program. So the first two years focus heavily on academics, where they're getting acclimated to the university, and um, that's when they're they're each taking three classes here now. And uh, the one is an A and M class, an academic class. So like Miguel is taking educational psychology, and Lexi is taking also taking educational psychology. They're in the same class, um, but some of our students are also taking theater history, and then we have another student in a special education class. Um, 
And then in addition to that, they take physical education classes, and then they also um, take a freshman experience kind of um, class. And then they also have program-specific seminars. So right now, they're spending a lot of time um, in classes. And then um, and beginning in the spring, they will start to have internships. And those internships are going to start off um, short duration, three to five hours a week, and then gradually they'll spend more and more time in those internships. So by yeah. years, but they'll rotate across different sites on mm -hmm. campus and off campus. Um, so by years three and four, um, we expect that the focus will shift um, to employment. Mm -hmm. And what we are preparing students for is inclusive employment and independent living in the community. Okay. So how many people are in the program currently? this year we have five students five students starting this yeah. year first cohort yeah mm -hmm. okay. Pam were you following up with a question yes I, I saw was. you thinking you saw that okay I was going to ask uh just just for funding you know so are, are these students able to receive uh grants or oh, I'm, not, I'm not like the uh, Pell grants or yes. something like that's right what, that's okay so at this time no okay. um so in order for our students to receive financial aid, we would have to receive the designation called a comprehensive transition program, which okay. is federal designation from the Department of Education. Uh -huh. And currently we don't have that. However, we're in the process of applying for that okay. to hopefully have it by next year. Okay. Yeah. So right now our program is self-supported, okay. meaning that we don't receive money from the university or the states or federal. Yeah. Okay. Um, so our, it's supported by philanthropy and student uh, fees. Okay. So, Lexi, you've been here for a while. Are you are you enjoying yourself? Uh, yes, ma'am. Can you tell our audience, you know, what do you like about being in the program? Uh, um, my um, my parents um Akis. Oh, cool. Um, because my my parents, uh, mommy, come to NM. Okay. That's important, isn't it? <laughs> so you're, conti yeah. you're continuing the family legacy as being being an Aggie. Yeah. Well, that's, that's important. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite thing about being here so far? I like to dance. Okay. So um, each student takes a physical education activity program, mm -hmm. a different, uh, what they call PIAT course every semester, and they can choose from all kinds of different sports. Yeah. Um, and so Lexi is taking social dance. And um, she has a dance partner in that class oh, and is learning all kinds of different Western dancing. And what else do you learn in there? Wait, do we have a cha-cha dance? The cha-cha dance? Yeah. Oh. Cool. Is that your favorite? Yeah. Cha-cha? Yeah. yeah. Cool. And then Miguel is in archery. Oh, that's cool. Do you enjoy archery, Miguel? It's hard. It, it's it's, it's hard. hard. Takes a lot of arm strength, doesn't it, to pull the bow back? Yeah. So you're working real hard at it then, huh? Yeah. That's awesome. Let me ask a question. I know, I think all kids, as they become adults, go through a time where it's tough. It's, it's difficult. It's hard to move from high school to college, you know, because in high school, a lot of times we're at home with our parents and we, you know, maybe we... You know, they, we get more support. We have more um, uh, guidance. We, we get, you know, if we have our, a question, we can get it answered in a way that we feel comfortable asking. And so moving from high school to college, being kind of a big, a big shift, was that hard for the two of you? 
to move, go from high school to college? Uh, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. What's been the hardest? Huh? What's been hardest about it? Anything. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Is it hard to be away from your family? Yeah. Yeah. You get homesick? Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. I bet they are so proud of the work you're doing. Yeah. What about you, Lexi? Um, I'm not homesick. Sometimes I miss them with my family. You yeah. just miss them. Yeah. Yeah. But I bet you you're real proud of how hard it you know you work here and all the stuff you're learning here. Yeah. I think it's hard for all people when they leave home and they go to a new place to live and to learn and it's just kind of something we all go through, you know, and you just got to be determined to stick it out and and you know you find you know answers to things you didn't even know you you wondered about. So I'm excited for the two of you and for others that get to come and have that experience here at A&M. And A&M has such a strong culture mm-hmm. um, an inclusive environment, really. You know, if you're an Aggie, you're an Aggie. Mm-hmm. They went to mm-hmm. fish camp. Are you familiar yeah. with fish camp? I yeah. heard all about yeah. fish camp. Yeah, so they went. That was their first. What was that like? Angels. Lexi, what was fish camp like? It was fun. It was fun, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Did you like that, Miguel, too? Did you like fish camp? Was that a fun time? A little bit. A yeah. Little bit. yeah. Which camp were you in? Do you remember? Camp what? Uh, camp Super. Camp Super. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Cool. So I've got a question. So um, and we talked a little before we started the episode about a little background stuff, but you know, why achieve and why A&M and why now? Like, what is it that's come together that A&M is taking really, I think, a, a, a huge step forward in higher ed mm-hmm. and saying, yeah, I mean, of course, the, you know, we always come from our own perceptions. And, and I, I, what I perceive in this is A&M is saying, hey, you know, people of differing abilities are welcome at A&M. We're going to have opportunities for people to come here and to thrive, regardless of you know, uh, if you're strong in this way or strong in this way, we all have these strengths. And it seems like maybe you guys are trying to foster that type of thinking. And so I, I just, I'm, I'm interested to hear kind of why now? Why why, did, why will all these things align so that you're offering these programs now? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's important to note that um, while Texas A&M is certainly a leader, we are not the first. Yeah. Um, and so these Programs are across the country, and in fact, um, Olivia and I both came from different programs at different universities um, with similar programs to Aggie Achieve. And so before I came here um, and was hired as a faculty member, I helped with a program at Vanderbilt called Next Steps. Yes. And um, Love that. Yeah, and they have, they have a great program. It went from being two years to four years while mm-hmm. I was there. And I started off as like a peer mentor and then got really interested um, and as a graduate student, became a graduate assistant and instructor. Um, But I had nothing to do with starting it there. (laughs) Uh, But when I came here, um, I just spoke a little bit about the program during my interview. And, you know, it it piqued the interest of people here, particularly um, at the Center on Disability and Development. Um, So I worked closely with the director of our, our CDD to... Um, to start this program here because 
we identified that there was a need in Texas, although there are um, several outstanding programs across Texas, including another program here at AM called the PATHS program. Um, what we what Texas did not yet have is a four-year opportunity um, for young adults with intellectual developmental disabilities to have um, that full college experience. Yeah. So, you know, I think this is part of a growing movement across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a, the National Coordinating Center is called Think College. And they, if you go on their website, you'll see they're adding programs all the time um, because they they have a great um, interactive feature with a map of the U.S. where you can click on your state and see, um, you know, what programs are, are around and, um, you know, just like every university and every college is different, every program is different. Mm-hmm. So some are two years, some are one year, some are residential, some are not, um, and might have different goals, different, you know, populations they serve. Um, but I think more and more it is representing this larger notion that, like what you were saying, that universities are opening their doors um, to being more inclusive and offering these same opportunities for um, this important segment of our population. And I will say that A&M has been extremely welcoming and accommodating. Um, the instructors, um, departments, anytime that something has arised, um, you know, it's not, well, we can't do that. It's, okay, how can we fix this mm-hmm. and make it work? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been a really welcoming environment for both us and the students. Um, and then on top of that, the student body has been exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a student-run organization called Aggie Achieve Mates, mm-hmm. and they support our students across environments. So such as, you know, they have a wellness partner they go to the rec center with. They have an academic mentor. They have meal partners, yeah. um, an organization planner. And um, these are Texas A&M students who are undergraduates in different departments across campus. Um, who just want to get involved with the program. Um, So they have designated at least one or two hours a week um, with a particular student to support them in a particular area. Um, And so we had over 90 applicants apply. I was going to ask you that. Yes. And um, when all says said and done, we have 70 Aggie Achievements. And that's just for five students. So they stay really busy. I can imagine. Um, but it's been really neat to see that part of the program yeah. of um, you know, Texas A&M students stepping up and saying, how can we get involved? Absolutely. Right. What's it like having the ID Achievements, having their, them there to kind of help along the way? Uh, they are good people. They are good people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you made some friends? Yes. I, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Lexi, how many ID Achievements do you have? Do you know? Uh not really. <laughs> Not really. A bunch of them. Yeah. A bunch. Yeah. Miguel, for you, has it been the same? Has it been good having the ID achievements? Yeah. Yeah. Some good friends. Yeah. Yeah. Who's one of Who's one of your favorite friends out of your mates that come and see you? Can you think of a name? Can you think hmm. of their name? I like. Uh, um, Anna. 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 Yeah. So what you ought to do is so how to say hi, Anna, because when she listens <laughs> to the recording, she'll know that you, you said hi to her. This. So say hi, Anna. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> like, don't call me out over here. Like, I'm sure right, Amy. Cool about this. Yeah. yeah. So, what is your vision for the program? You said you had five students now. So, mm-hmm. what kind of growth would you like the program to have? Um, 
Well, I think, you know, we want to keep it relatively small um, because that will allow us to really customize the experience for each student and offer that same level of individualized support. So uh, we use a process called person-centered planning, which means rather than having like a set curriculum, we, you know, work with each student to identify what their goals are, their strengths, and then really use that to design uh, the optimal program. Yeah. Um, and with a school like Texas A&M, there's so many opportunities. There's something for everyone here. Um, so we've got five students this year, and then you know we expect to grow incrementally each year. So next year we'll probably have about six to eight students okay. in our cohort. You know, and then of course they'll have these students. And yeah. Um, so when the program is like you know running at capacity, probably around 12 students okay. in each cohort. Okay. okay. And our applications are posted right now on our website for entry into fall 2020. Okay. Um, and so those applications can be submitted online, um, and those are due by December 1st. By December 1st. So parents and students who are interested can go to the website, download yep. those forms, fill them out, turn them in by December 1st, and be considered for yes. the 2020 yes. cohort. Yep. Wow, that's exciting. Now, is it kind of like PATH, where they submit videos? We did just start that this okay. year, yes. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, what else? What, what else would you guys like to share about the program, the experience, um, what parents should expect, uh, what what student, what what people should think about when they're thinking about maybe you know is this something I would like my child to um, explore? Mm-hmm. I think uh, yeah, I really think that the program is not just an adjustment for the students, but also for the parents. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times, especially with students with disabilities, you know, they're always. Um, they have those IEP meetings and they're always communicating regularly with the teacher and talking about how they're performing. Um, but when a student goes into post-secondary education, that communication kind of stops, um, especially with FERPA. And um, so it can be a big adjustment, not just for the student, but also mm-hmm. for the parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that communication has to go through the student. And we really, um, try to encourage that because it helps with the student's advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also, you know, they're young adults and mom and dad don't need to be calling their teacher or instructor okay, to see right. how they performed. Right. Um, so that's been, an, I think, a, an adjustment for the for the parents. Um, the students have exceeded all expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, they know their way around campus. They know the bus system better than I do. Um, <laughs> they are doing awesome. Um, we've had some aha moments, especially in the dorm, uh, such as, you know, it's two weeks in, you only got to start washing your sheets. Right. It's like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. I have to wash my sheets. (laughs) (laughs) Or scrubbing their toilet for the first time. Like, wait a minute. Uh, where's the toilet scrubber? (laughs) They send me in, you know, I mean, so. Yeah, I, that's different. That takes some adjusting, right? You have to do your own cleaning and things like that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine. Those are good skills to learn, though. Yeah. You never know when you put them to use. So those aha moments. I think that's. I think it's those aha moments that give us opportunities to really refine our practice mm-hmm. and really circle back to our intent and in that we want um, 
like in this case, individuals, individuals to come and have an experience that is that of their peers, uh, of their you know, students that are more, maybe don't have a disability that's in, in, in class in, at A&M and living in dorms. And, that doesn't and if, if, if right, and wash their shoes. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah, that's so, aha moments yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's the goal, I think, is that these aha moments, that we all have them because right. we all have similar availability to these experiences. Yeah, exactly. No, you had mentioned in the third, the third year that you're looking at internship, moving more toward employment. Mm -hmm. So on, you said on campus and, and off campus. So are you are looking at partnering with uh, Texas Workforce Commission or Texas Workforce Solution? I'm sure who's in this. We're, yeah, we haven't really started those conversations yet, but we're hoping to. So the internships are going to start on campus. Okay. And they'll start actually the next semester, next so second semester of the student's first year. Okay. Yeah, so we're planning those out right now. Okay. Yeah. And then the fourth year, we're really working on them finding that job, whether it's if they want to stay in College Station when they graduate, great, or if they want to go back home or somewhere else, really um, bridging that gap between graduation and their gainful employment position. Right. Um, we want them to graduate from this program employed. We don't want them just going back home right. and doing what they were doing before. Right. You don't want them as I would say, no one transition to the couch. Yeah. Right. right. That's, yeah, that's, that's disheartening. Yes. Yeah, all the work you is. put in. And when you know they're very much capable oh, yeah. of maintaining employment right. and living a full life. So, yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So do you have a, I just out of curiosity, do you have a, a, like a specific process that you go through with families when, when they're considering this? Like with, do you, is there, I mean, I imagine, I guess orientation. Yeah, like an orientation process that that involves helping them understand some of these uh, changes. Do you mean after they're admitted? Or? No, I mean kind of leading up to it. Even. Oh, like, okay. like well, for example, like um, if if we like say I was a father and I was going to bring my wife and we're, we're going to bring our kids and we wanted to ex let them kind of walk the campus and look through kind of that looking glass. Like, is there anything set up to orient them about that consideration? Uh, yes, maybe we do have open houses. Okay, open houses. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we've had uh, we have four yeah. this fall, right? Yes, um, and then we also and so the fall open houses are primarily for people who are interested in applying for fall yeah. twenty twenty yeah. because right. we want to target. We've had a lot of people express interest, but some right. you know their kids are much younger; they're not ready yet. Sure. Um, so this. Uh, open house opportunity is just for people who are interested in the fall. And we've had several on campus, but they're all filled. But on November 8th, we're going to have a uh, live webinar that people can listen to, and then it'll be recorded so they can yeah. um, hear it after. But it'll have all the same information as sure. the open house, so people don't feel like they need to come to campus yeah. in order to get this information. So really, it's just providing an overview of our program, and specifically the eligibility criteria, the admissions yeah. process going over all those things with them. And then in the spring, we're going to have more open houses, and those will be open for um, not just fall 2020, but yeah. others as well. Yeah, Yeah. well, I see it's 11.15. What time was it that our that our guests had yes. to transition to their next stop? Where are y'all going to go in a minute? Where are you going? I'm going to I'm going, um, MSC. MSC? The MSC, and that's the Student Center. Yes. And who are you meeting there? Sissy. Uh, Sissy. Who is an Aggie me? Right? Yes. Y'all are getting lunch? Mm-hmm. Are you going to the student center too? Yeah. 
Still, so still deciding on that. <laughs> There's hamburgers there, so that helps. Ah, look at that smile. Somebody likes hamburgers. Yes, Hey, thank y'all for being thank on Sped Talk in. with us. Thank this was you. awesome. Thank you guys, have a good day. you guys are awesome, and have a wonderful day. Lexi, I'll see you tonight. Okay. Okay. I'm so glad we got we they got to be here. Their schedules worked out. Yeah. Yeah. They sound busy, busy. I think they're busier than we are, Pam. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I can keep up all that yeah. schedule. But all these <laughs> chief mates driving, whipping me, and telling me what to do. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. Well, and they're also involved in student organizations themselves. Yeah. So, like, Lexi um, is involved with Aggie Emeralds, which is a women's organization on campus. Um, and Miguel is involved with Best Buddies. Um, we have another student who's... Best Buddies. Um, I think I've heard of that organization. Talk about yes. Best Buddies for a minute. Um, so Best Buddies is um, mostly on college campuses, uh -huh. but it's when they're paired with a Texas A&M student. Yeah. Um, so they have Best Buddy events typically once a month. Um, and then, uh, you know, the Best Buddy will reach out to them per week and be like, hey, do you want to go grab dinner yeah. or do you want to go bowling or something? Um, and so it's not only for students, not only for our organization, but also um, in the community. So uh, anyone mm -hmm. can join Best Buddies um, in their communities. Okay. Yeah. So, so far, what have, what have been the biggest challenge for this program? Or have there been any I have challenges? to pick just one. <laughs> 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 I just I think just uh, yeah, pick one or two. It's your, your call. <laughs> I think what's been hard is um, the amount of need that we see in Texas for these yeah. type of programs and knowing that we can't accept everyone. Yeah. So that's been really tough, um, especially – when talking with parents and meeting their young adults and um, we've had to be very strategic and, and I mean, we don't do, um, you know, private sit downs with families and things like that. We want to make uh, sure it's a completely fair process right. for everyone. Sure. Um, and so, uh, but it's been hard with the amount of um, interest we've had in the program. And yeah. then also knowing realistically how many students we can take. Right. Right. Yeah. So. So what would you say to another university who's looking at your program and but somewhat reluctant to jump into this whole concept of, of uh, taking student with intellectual disability and, and establishing a separate program, but, a, mm -hmm. but an inclusive program? Yeah. So what would you say to a university to encourage them to take the leap? Um. I would say take the leap okay. <laughs> and, and and really find your people on your campus who are going to be the champions of the program mm -hmm. um, besides just you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, as Olivia said, we've been really fortunate here where we've gotten um, just so much um, enthusiasm and reception to um, to this idea. But, you know, that it's important when starting that people identify who those leaders are, those partners on campus. And it might be in unlikely places, you know, it might be, I mean, of course you want to have the administrators and the deans and presidents and stuff, all those people who are important to gain the approval. But in addition to that, it's the people who, you know, might be in different departments across campus um, in athletics or, you know, in, um, uh, university libraries, food like, service prep. Food, yes, I mean, you, right. you'd be shocked. Yeah. I mean, you need champions had, in all these different areas and mm -hmm. leadership in all these different areas so that we can really ensure that that experience that our students are getting is that top notch experience that they would, any student yeah, would get. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
So as much as possible, we're trying to have the voices, like the promotion of the program come from those people. Yeah. Um, exactly. Because that's really showing like, hey, this is good for AM. Yes. This is good for everybody here. Yeah. Um, and that includes our students as well, yeah. you know, our AM students. So Yeah, I think go ahead. Amy. I was just thinking that and as you show how this continues to grow and mature, it will be exciting to think that there may be options for scholarships and yes, different yes. things that grow on a, yeah. a federal level as well, especially since we do see it nationally. There's such a push for um, immersive programs, inclusion, and all of that. So I just think it's exciting. I know there's some junior colleges, but I have, uh, and I knew of the PATH program, but I mean, really, this is. I, I just think it's exciting and gives me, we're having a career fair in a couple of weeks. And so this really gives me some uh, information that I can share with parents whenever we speak to them. So great. So great. thank yeah. you so much. I'm tapping that in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. You got something, Pam? No, I really don't, John. You got to be kidding me. You ain't got nothing. Pam, you always got something on I me know, over here. I know. Well, Amen. so. I, I can't help but think that, you know, when I think about in, inclusion uh, as a concept, I think a lot of times in, in K-12 education, people a lot of times equate inclusion to mean the a term we use for funding mainstream. It's like, how do we get our money? So where do kids sit? Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, a lot of started to realize that, you know, for every child, it's not about where they sit or what they learn it's it's the experience that they have in that space and that's what shapes their character i think their self-determination their grit their belief in them their own abilities and so when we think about tapping really potential and human uh, possibility um and if we're going to be able to achieve that in a k-12 setting um and then when we get to the end of that road say well that was a neat social experience. Yeah. I'm so glad you got to benefit from it, but now we got nothing for you. Yes. In some ways, how does that even add up? So for me, this is just a validation of so much work that's gone on really at the K-12 level to say, no, everybody has value. Everybody can shine. Everybody has a God-given gift in there somewhere. Our job as educators is to find it and yes. to refine it. And so I feel like this program, I've noticed it's getting a lot of attention around the state and I've seen it being promoted on media and things like that. And I think rightfully so, because and not for necessarily what it is currently, you know, which is a new program, which aspires to do these things. And but I think because of uh, the message it sends, which is, hey, come one, come all. We got something for you. Mm -hmm. And we all get a seat at the table. Absolutely. And we're, you know, all yeah. going to receive equal and fair treatment. So Definitely. Yeah, I think you make a great point. And uh, what I've really noticed is this generation of college students, they've grown up with, um, it, with inclusion being the norm. Mm -hmm. And that is so evident. You know, as we were saying earlier, we had 90 applicants for the Aggie Achievements. And I think we could have gotten double that if we had more time to recruit across campus. Yeah. And our students... 
um, our current A&M students, they're excited to be a part of it. But it's also like, of course, you know, it's, it's not it's not even a question of should we do this? It's how can I help? Yes. And how can we um, help improve this experience overall? So I think it not only helps the students directly served in the program, but also the broader population, broader A&M community, because they're able to help facilitate um, this important aspect of inclusion in higher education. Yeah. You know, that, saying that just reminds me of, you know, when you look at families, if you have a child with disabilities, you know, some, some families are like, okay, we're all in. Yeah. This this child's not being left out. Yeah. Yes. Right. And so it's like, okay, that, that's what it sounds like this is. Yeah. That, you know, makes no difference if a kid has a disability. They're part of the A&M family, so therefore yes. we're going to, yes. we're all in. Right. And so we're going we're gonna to help support this program as much mm-hmm. as possible. And yeah. I think that's... I think that's what we're seeing in the bigger society. Yes. That I mean, I've, I've been in special education a very long time, and I remember when I first started out, and then you know, professors were talking about you know family grieving about having kids with disabilities, and then and then when the kids entered high, entered public school, it was like this. I want to apologize because I have this child with disability, and mm-hmm. now it's like those feelings have gone away. I mean, not yeah. saying that some parents don't grieve. What I'm saying is that. I don't see parents making excuses or um, yeah. or are making apologies for having a child with disabilities. That mm-hmm. I see parents who, who are wanting the best for their child yeah. and wanting the opportunity, you know, for that child to be educated to you know as yeah. best as possible and reach their full potential. And and in the greater society around that child, it's like, hey, we got to make sure that you know other people understand that Joey who has a disability should be valued yeah. because the friends are valuing them and they don't see the they don't see the disability they just see joy yeah exactly. they see possibility yeah and i think that's right. you know that's the good thing about inclusion people will say well, what's what's so good about it it's because people are just people mm-hmm. and we're not excluding to have inclusion you have to exclude <laughs> so it's kind of like right. that really does make a lot of sense right. it makes you know yes. if we're going to yeah. educate yeah. all people then we should be educating all people yeah and yes. so just to see that as all the years, of, especially in Texas, when we start focusing on inclusion in the 1990s, John. Yes, I was around then. <laughs> well, I remember the music was good in the 90s. I loved all that grunge music. I knew it was going to go. I bet good. you were into Nirvana, weren't you? <laughs> I bet you were. I can see you listening to old Chris Cornell, see, Soundgarden. Oh, yeah, the Golden Book. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> but even in the 90s, when, when TA really looked at focusing on inclusive practices and just just some of the mindsets and the changes that were made with people were like, oh, why have we been doing this always? Mm-hmm. And it's good to see, based on the information you're sharing, the generations here, people, students are saying, why are we doing this? We've been doing this. So exactly. this yeah. is not hard. Yeah. Something yeah. stood out to me, and this is something I made a note about. You see my note-taking is kind of all over the place. <laughs> That's kind of, if you peeled my brain back, you'd mm-hmm. see this jarbled goop of words <laughs> that I just reach up and grab all the time. You know? so, but anyway, so but my point being that, that, that <laughs> the person-centered planning process. So I have a theory of strength-based special ed, right? That until we shift to a process that digs for strengths, that, that our quest is to find what is right about you versus what is wrong, right. we'll continue to live in a deficit system because our system is designed off deficits and, and everything we do is designed on an exclusionary model that says, well, 
if this is you, if you fit under this umbrella that holds about 80% of our people, well, then you can come in and thrive, I guess. But if you don't, then you're abnormal. Right. And so it's that universal design mindset and it's that belief that, and so to me, when I hear this, I think, well, that's what I'm talking about. Person-centered, right? And Carl Rogers and his psychological theories, you know, uh, there's so much of what we've done is that person-centered. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we talk about being, uh, making a data decision, I always say, you know, it, it's, it's child decision-making. Yeah. Because when we make decisions, no data matters unless it's referenced back to a human being. Right. Data is just stuff That's on a page. Right. Right. So I love that you're using the person-centered planning process because that really does take more of a strength-based. Absolutely. Um, and I, uh, it's exciting to know that. And I think I've learned something here about that. I'm going to go study that. So I've got my homework to do, Pam. Right. <laughs> um, but I really do. I think that uh, you guys are really, really, really making a difference here um, for families and for students and, and for Lexi's parents who are Aggies through and through. Um, and now their daughter is an Aggie, too. Mm-hmm. She wasn't excluded from that opportunity because of her uh, born abilities. Right, right. So yeah. that's that's really important. Well, and where I'm from, where I'm from more of the rural area. And so what I think is exciting about, even though there's programs, because I've gone online and pulled down all the, uh, the uh, college programs that are available for students with IDD and shared it and everything, but we don't have... In our area, you know, they would have to come five or six hours away, which is is an apprehension within itself. But what I think is cool about what you're doing is really giving a lens for other people to see Mm -hmm. this is what we can. This is the possibility Mm -hmm. of what we can do. And it really when we share then it goes back to those small rural because a lot of those parents don't want their kids six hours away, yeah, even yeah. though they are right. adults, you know, but just yeah. thinking about how other universities could mimic what you're doing and then but also then looking at those students that are coming two, three hours to come to school and just, just that possibility. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about um, sharing this because I had not – seen the achieve it was all through the path program um up until john had said hey let's go let's go and and talk to you guys about the achieve program thanks so, amy by the way i know you're not with us today shout out to amy <laughs> not me amy <laughs> so so yeah so my question going back to the financial aid because you said you guys have not been approved yeah, for the comprehensive yeah. transition program so you're not eligible students not eligible for scholarships or our grants, right? Okay, so, so financially, so how are how how are students paying for this? I, I know this can't be cheap. <laughs> this is this any program, college program, costs money. So yes. Uh, so if a family's looking at this, what what should they anticipate as for as financially the, the cost of this, or or do you have plans or sponsorships to help support, you know, offset the costs? or like to develop scholarships. I'm, I'm just throwing a lot out here. Yeah. <laughs> you, know yeah. so you can stop me at any okay. time. I think Lots what you're questions. asking is sustainability. <laughs> like, yeah. how do you make sure that this man yeah. Okay, yeah, you can say one word, Don. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody that listens to this know I'm a word of, a uh, man of few words, and I just am concise. I can usually just drop one word oh, and, and, and it'll say it all. But you just go on oh, and on, Pam. Please answer my question. Yes. Um, money is, a, you know, it's a touchy topic, so I can sure. see people just is. start kind of fumbling yeah. with their words when we talk about it. But um, yeah, so we are a self-supported program. Um, yeah. So our students pay 
um, approximately $20,000 a year. Um, mm -hmm. Some of that is paid out to the university for the services that they are accessing, yeah. um, you know, such as like the rec center and technology services and things like that. And then um, and then the rest of it is program fee. And the breakdown is on our website if people are interested in that. Um, and then on top of that, they pay for um, housing, room and board. Right. So, um, so you know, do that, they live on campus or? Yes. Is, okay. Yeah. Okay. They do. And right now they live in like apartment style dorms, really nice okay. dorms. How, do, um, and I know I may be going off in the weeds here. Um, how, well, you get we, yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's She's still going. She's still so, going. And it, so because I also want to give a shout out to um, the HEB, the Tournament of Champions. Oh, they, yes. Um, they provided a large grant to us last year that allowed us to hire Olivia as a program director, allowed us to get the program off the ground before we received a dime from yeah. our students. Um, so that was very helpful. We have a graduate assistant and we would just like administrative startup costs, um, have been, um, really appreciative. So, and then moving forward now, you know, we want to be in a place where we are sustainable, where we are, um, you know, we, we're not relying on donations and that's something that's important, you know, at the college yeah. level, of course, yeah. too. Um, so, you know, the, what we really want is, for opportunities for our students to have scholarships as well as opportunities to just like kind of offset the cost in general. So we work with the Texas A&M Foundation um, and work closely with development officers who are housed at our College of Education and they're on the road all the time promoting our program mm -hmm. and helping us raise money. Um, so if people are interested in that, then there's also information about that on our website and where you could find it through Texas A&M Foundation by searching Aggie Achieve. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what I was going to ask you. How do if people wanted to donate? How do you do it? And so it's through say the how to get a hold of you again. So the website, mm -hmm. the yeah. like the yeah. URL. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. URL. I achieve. It's e well, yeah. Right now, I, the easiest way. Yeah. Yeah. That is the easiest way. And the easy, the shortest form of it is. TX dot AG. Okay. Uh, backslash yeah. Aggie Achieve. Okay. That's the That's shortest one. Wanted. And then it'll yes. redirect you yeah. to our page. Because we're housed in the educational psychology uh -huh. department, you'll see the EPSY okay. um, kind of heading over uh -huh. there. But and there's a donate now button there. Um, and in order for us to grow our program, we really do need more funding, especially to hire more staff. Right. Um, because we want to keep it individualized. Yeah. Um, and so to open this up to more programs, or I mean, sorry, to more applicants, um, we we rely on that funding. Right. Yeah. Um, so whether it's scholarships or even a, a donation of some kind. Right. Uh, we also, when you're on our website, we have a newsletter that you can sign up for. And so we send out monthly updates of what's going on in our program, application deadlines, those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah, that's important. A lot of people um, read those newsletters, mm -hmm. you know, so having an effective newsletter there out to market that is, is, is a yes. good thing to do. I think a lot of people, it's kind of like the podcast, the newsletter, the people aren't just getting their news from the five o'clock evening news anymore. Right? We're getting mm -hmm. our information in all of these different ways, and, and we need to find ways to get it to people in different formats. So, and yeah. we're on social media too, which is how a lot of people get their news. That's where we all now. You know, what do you mean? I saw it on Facebook. Yeah. I know it was real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Did you have a question, John? So my question was, and I didn't know if there was an analysis done at all, where you looked at in relationship to what our students that are in the Achieve program are paying out of pocket to those they're, they're non-disabled peers. Is that, I mean, because it's not cheap to go to college as it is. I know I've got one in college and I'm actually in college, you yeah. know, and so college <laughs> is expensive. And so is, uh, yeah. like from a program's perspective, you want it to be sustainable and you want it to be hopefully profitable and all those things that go into making mm-hmm. successful programs and sustaining and growing them, right? And But then too, at the flip side of that, I wonder if there had been an, an analysis to look at like like a more typical uh, student attending AM it would cost XYZ, well, compared to this student who's attending AM, what, what is that? And then, um, you know, I, I, so that was my question. Yes. Yeah. And the way that we arrived at the program costs uh-huh. was based on that analysis okay. and based on not just the direct services that students are paying for, but mm-hmm. more so like the wraparound, the stuff. overhead of the experience. Yeah. Right. Like even, you know, being in the in this department, we've got our um, business manager who manages our accounts, like paying for the time that she spends on IHE, paying for the time that, you know, everybody across campus is going to spend. Mm-hmm. And then as well as just like, I don't know the overhead. I didn't, I wasn't yeah. part of the analysis, yeah. but they just kind of gave me the number. Um, I, I do think, yeah, it's probably comparable, but I think the harder thing is that the students don't qualify for a lot of the supports right. Right. that right. most students do qualify for yes. to make college more affordable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like if the student was in the, we've had people ask this, they're, if they were in the foster care system, then right. you know, they can attend a you know a state school. Right. Um, but that doesn't that apply doesn't to this population doesn't apply. Students. Yeah. Um, so that makes it really challenging. Yeah. Uh, especially for being a state school and for being sure. like land grant university, we want to be um, the place, especially where people in Texas are going to school and sure. Um, and we want it to be something that's accessible. Yeah, and a lot of times it takes people like yourselves and and A&M and the Achieve program to put yourself out there and kind of reshape uh, the experience and the rules. Mm -hmm. And then then those other entities have to catch up and say, well, we don't want to penalize kids for being born with certain abilities from certain experiences that are available to them. We've never thought about it before because they were never available to them before. So I think that's how change occurs, is that we put ourselves into those new spaces. And then... That is, um, in some ways, I think how all change occurs, and then it has to retroactively be addressed. Absolutely. So, uh, you yeah. know, cheers for for that work. That's mm-hmm. really awesome, Pam. I have nothing else, John. Well, I don't either. <laughs> so, like, I feel like I'm all talked out. That's unbelievable, John. No, it is. <laughs> it's nice. all the way here. Yes. <laughs> Throw me under the bus. <laughs> Thank you all for letting us come. Yeah. Thank you. Spend Thank time you. with you here today. Thank you for people. visiting us. Yeah. We look forward to, to, to seeing the programs prosper and hope we get to come back and, and talk to you about how much things have changed and grown in a year from now or two yeah. years from now or five years from now. Definitely. Definitely. Cool. And yeah. we'll let you know when we get the podcast published so you guys can listen to it and, yeah. and share great. with others. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, That's so great. Thank you. Or you really can sit there and go, it. we'll never do this again. <laughs> <laughs> and this is for my buddy, Mike. Whoop! <laughs> <laughs> like you. a natural. Thank you. To continue to elevate the conversation, hit us up on Twitter at SpedTalk2020, where you can find links to all of our episodes and each of the resources that we discussed today. John, also links to the resources will be available at our podcast site. And if you found these resources helpful, be sure to share them with, with a friend because information should always flow through us, not to us. That will do it for this episode of Sped Talk. 
And remember, courage creates culture and kindness keeps us connected. Until the next time, I'm Pam. And I've been John. And this is Sped Talk. Living in the moment and the moment is the future.